Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Living Well with Zenobia Bailey. I am just so thankful to be able to have as my guest today, Marlena Graves. As many of you may have read about her, she is an author, a prolific writer. She has dealt with uh, topics such as depression, loss and grief, brokenness, hope, faith, poverty, and many other topics that we are going to try to hit on today. Her book that I have been reading and just can't get enough of is called A Beautiful Disaster, Finding Hope in the Midst of Brokenness. Now, before I bring her um, up and, and just give the mic over to her, I just want us to think about that. A beautiful disaster, those those terms just don't seem to fit together. I'm going to ask Marlena about that here in a moment. But the other thing I want to say is it just gives me great pleasure to be able to have a podcast that can reach out to people and help them to see, even in the confines of a show entitled Living Well, that everyone has not always been at the point where you or I see them, you know, uh, Marlena, how would you like to speak to that? You know, people look at you, people, I have a story um, of brokenness. People may look at me and think that, wow, they have it all together. Would you speak to that for a moment? Yeah, thank you, Zenobia, for having me on. I think that's a wonderful question, and I'm going to talk about it in terms of writing, just to start out. Okay. Blaine, um, I have had people public, publicly on the Internet say that they envy me or they find themselves being a little bit jealous of me because I have a book that was published. Mm. And it's a very difficult to get a book published. And... um I appreciate them being so vulnerable to say that about me, but when I talk with them, because they're people that I am somewhat uh, acquainted with on the Internet, not that I know them in person, but um, I tell them that you're just seeing me after 10 (laughs) or 11 years of struggling and praying and after tons and tons of rejections. Um, I started writing in uh, January of 2003, and I just felt this call to write the messages that God had given me. But I had a lot of self-doubt. I said, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe this is not the Lord. Maybe it's just Mm -hmm. my own imagination because I said I don't have a degree in English. I was a history major. Unlike some writers, I haven't been writing since I was in second grade. And so I just thought, maybe I'm crazy. This call is crazy. But I decided just to keep writing. And I didn't really tell anyone except for my husband because they would say, like, who are you? Yeah, you're supposed to write a book 
or you're supposed mm-hmm. to write about God's messages for other people to hear. And so I kept it uh, to myself because I was, number one, I was not sure about how good of a writer I was, and number two, I wasn't sure if I was hearing the Lord if it was just some idea in my head. And so that was in 2003. My book wasn't published until this June of 2014. And so when people (laughs) say to me, oh, you know, I envy you, and I say to them, I started, in a nice way, I started writing this book before the Internet and before Facebook groups for writers and different things. Um, And I didn't have a lot of support. I think there's a little bit more support on online communities now. Uh, But I didn't really have any support, and I didn't have any kind of position. I wasn't like a pastor of a mega church where anyone who would know my name. And so I tell these people that see me, they just see the final product, this book, but it's been over 10 years since I started writing. And uh, I wrote almost every day for several years, and then um, as often as I could since then. So they just see the end results, and they don't see, like I said earlier, the years of rejection. But it's not just with writing books. Um, God had to do a lot in my life, and as you mentioned, in the lives of others, maybe in your own life, I'm not sure. but Absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. To work in me, to rid me of those things in me that are not of him, to make me whatever I am today, whatever good I am Today, I owe to the Lord and to the people that helped influence me. So the person I am today is not the person that I was, oh, like uh, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, you would think I was a messed up teenager and not sure about my future. So, And sometimes it can be even closer than that. It's like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but even yesterday, you know. Oh, that's even right. Y- that's right. Yesterday we changed. And I love the fact that you started out with your example of the book because, in truth, we are all walking books, no matter who we are, mm-hmm. no matter That's where right. we've come. And um, the other thing that I would like to just put on the table, and you take it however you want to and, and, and unfold it for us, but, um, you know, we are so prone, human beings are so prone to blame And so maybe I grew up without a dad, or maybe I even grew up with an abusive dad, or maybe I grew up with an alcoholic dad, or uh, a mother that was absent. And I want to, and of course, and I'm not making small of any of that, because it all affects us, and it affects us deeply. But Mm -hmm. once I get to be of an age of, I don't know, accountability maybe, or have grown up. I don't know about an age of accountability. I don't want to get trapped in that, but um, it's time to move on. If I'm going to live, I have to move on. And and we can we can come up out of our ashes. We can, can come up out of the ashes of, of poverty, of, of hopelessness, of grief and loss. And I mean, it may take time, but... We can come up out of that, and we see time and time again where that has happened in in many lives, and yes, also in my life. Yeah. Right, so I'm um, just putting that on the table in terms of you know beauty out of ashes, you know, uh, and and, yes. and that leads us right into me asking you the question of how did you come up with the title, 
or why did you ascribe this title to your book, A Beautiful Disaster? Yeah, thank you. Um, Well, when I got the book contract, my publishers, their wonderful Brazos Press, they asked me to submit some ideas for a book title. And originally I was thinking something like From Broken to Beautiful, uh, but I think someone else has that title. I'm not sure. And uh, then they said, well, what words that do you want in the title that absolutely have to be in the title? And I said, beautiful and something to do with brokenness and, you know, that you can move let me reverse that. You can move from brokenness to beauty. And so I gave them my idea, and they're the ones that came up with the official title of Beautiful Disaster. But then in the subtitle, Finding Hope in the Midst of Brokenness, they got to what I wanted people to see if they were to pick up my book on a shelf or if they are to see it on the Internet so they get an idea of what the book is about. And so that's how uh, we came about with the title. And, of course, they read through the book and uh, edited it, and so they thought that was the appropriate name to give to it. And I and I had to chuckle to myself um, because growing up and the things that I went through, you mentioned some of the things, alcohol and poverty and uh, not my own alcoholic situation, but in my family and just a bunch of other really unsettling and difficult things for children to go through um, because mm-hmm. my parents, who I love dearly, I love them dearly, um, and they love me. They love me. It's just they were trying to figure out their lives while... Yes we were growing up and it was hard for them to know how to parent every time. Um, I wouldn't say they were, uh, they're not awful people at all. They're in fact, they're loving, but they were so consumed with trying to figure out themselves that it was hard for them to know how to um, nurture me and sometimes my siblings in the ways that we needed. So I kind of chuckled when I first saw the title of beautiful disaster. I was like, Oh, I guess that's what the, people that read my book thought of me. <laughs> I guess like, it came from a beautiful disaster. Because when, when I'm writing about my own life, which was normal, you know, from my point of view at this time, I'm going to be 37. But I wasn't thinking about that in particular. But I think some of the people, the editors that have read my book, they're like, you really came through a lot. But for me, it was a normal experience. And I forget that, not that it's, normal for other people, but it can be very jarring to some others who've yeah. come, been born in re- relatively structured environments. So um, that's how I came up with the title. And um, as to your point about, um, you know, moving on and, and blame, I mean, I, I think, you know, you do make a good point. Um, it took me probably my freshman year of college, um, I had uh, I was so excited to get away and be at a Christian school to see how other Christians lived so that mm-hmm. I might learn about the healthy ways of living by observing others. And um, But my second uh, term, the second semester, I didn't have enough money to stay on campus, so I had to go off campus. And I fell into a depression for about a year and a half. And part of that depression... Um, was related to my own bad decisions, especially with a guy uh, that I made in high school. But another part of it was that I discovered I had a lot of anger and unforgiveness towards my parents. Um, And I think when you're growing up, you don't always understand the ins and outs of adulthood and why people make certain decisions, or in my case, how there was a mental illness affecting 
the circumstances in my family's life. I thought that it was just someone's inability to deal with things. But it was mental illness, um, which also led to alcoholism. And so I didn't know that at the time, but I knew that part of my depression was a result of the anger I had buried towards my parents and towards myself. And, and, and along with the fact that I couldn't be on campus with other people because I'm a little bit more extroverted and it was hard being alone. I was in an off-campus apartment by myself, uh, actually uh-huh. an elderly woman. So I had to forgive. And also I started to come to the realization, uh, not just at 19 and 20 years old, but it, through my 20s that my parents actually did the best that they could with their circumstances. And I had to yeah. realize, you know what, I'm not going to, they're not probably not going to change in a major way. That's kind of hard to accept when we, when there's broken relationships with other people. It, it takes a lot to change. It takes Jesus in us, and we can change. But unless the people themselves realize that, there's probably not going to be a big change. So once I was able to forgive them, forgive myself for the part I played in my own brokenness, uh, mm-hmm. major brokenness, I should say. I was able to start moving forward and not blame them for my situation, but at the same time I realized how my situation influences me. And I'm actually, Zenobia, I'm still realizing uh, how my situation growing up influences me. For example, I mean, um, you know, sometimes under stress my body, like a lot of people, but I get really uh, less than really intense situations. And I think that just comes from constantly being stressed as a child. And so yeah. it affects me physically like that, and I have to learn to deal with that and pray and, you know, exercise and different things. But um, I was able to move on and not blame them uh, for everything and um, see the good in them. And I know my situation, there are far worse situations, like like you said, major sexual abuse or verbal abuse, and I didn't have that in my, you know, my situation. But um, yeah. I was able to start moving on and say, okay, now we're – I have to take responsibility now for how I react to what happened to me and the future. Okay, I want to um, continue this uh, uh, here in a moment, but I do need to take a little break, and I'll be right back, okay? Thank you. Okay. Okay, welcome back. I wanted to ask you, were you able, I'm I'm just sitting in awe, were you able to figure all of that out on your own or were you in counseling or or how did that all come to be, Marlena? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, Counseling a little bit, but the counselor really didn't bring that up. Um, I just read a lot, a lot of books, the Bible, and I knew from the passage um, in the Bible about uh, the, I think it was the king or the, the master who had a lot of money and a servant was stealing from him, that, that oh, yeah. uh, story. And 
he says, please forgive me, I'll pay you back. And the king says, okay, I'll pay you back, or I'll let you off. I'll forgive your debts. But then that same servant found someone else that owed him money, and he did not forgive the person that owed him money, even though it was a, a lot less than he himself owed the king. And when mm-hmm. the king found out about his servant's unforgiveness, he said, you know, I'm going to put you in jail now, and you'll have to pay me back everything you owe. And where Jesus says, you know, if you don't forgive other people, God won't forgive you. So just from that, from stories in the Bible and any preaching that I heard on the radio, I knew that if I wanted God to forgive me, that I really needed to forgive, you know, my parents and any other people that had hurt me deeply. So um, and just, well, the other know, part of that, too, is the, the fact that you figured out that your parents did the best that they could. You know, like yeah. you said, sometimes as in our youth, we don't understand the adult decisions, and right. um, and then we pass judgment on that, and on judgment pass judgment on the people, and yes. and 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 actually sometimes just nail uh, nail them in their coffin. You know, I did um, the same yes. thing. You know, I didn't know what was going on. I thought I did, and that's why when you think about it, you step back and you realize that's why you have parents. You know, yeah. and and if we could take their leadership, parents or guardians, an aunt, uncle, somebody that you can trust, yeah. and just yeah. wait until your time comes, our time comes, and it will come, and then we can take the baton, and if we can do better, then thank God we can do better and we'll move on. But, you know, yeah. I remember uh, someone... Um, Someone's observation was that if we we all have roles to play, and if I stayed in my role and you in yours and parent in theirs, I mean, it's like a, a wheel, a, a mm-hmm. wheel that and a circle that won't break. You know, mm-hmm. I remember uh, a friend of mine. She said to her son, she was having a little difficulty with him, and she said he was not yet out of high school. And, you know, those are troubling years for so many people. I know I had an identity crisis then, too. (laughs) But she said to him, if you give me just two more years, just give me two more years, and and we'll get through this. And you know what? He did. And he got through it, and he is a giant of a man today. I mean, but had he not, had he not, where would he be? I don't know. I have someone yeah. in my life who didn't, and it's been, it's been disastrous. It's been disastrous mm-hmm. for all of us. But mm-hmm. um, but anyway, uh, for you to figure that out is a, is is just you deserve a lot of applause as well. I didn't figure that out, Marlena, when I was uh, still in my parents' home. I did not figure that. Out. I didn't figure that out until I was an adult. You know that they absolutely did the best that they could. And like your parents, they loved us dearly, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's just. I hope my kids will say the same thing, you know, that they know without a shadow of a doubt. And I think they they do, but I just hope that that would be the continuum. We are yeah. <clears throat> running uh, against the clock here a little bit, and I do want to talk about two topics that I mean, all of these topics um, are important and. Uh, there's a lot going on with them in today's present time, but there are two that I really want to talk about, and one is I want to further our discussion on depression. So many people are being captivated by depression, 
And I also would like, if we have the time, for you to speak to reconciliation in whatever manner you would. Uh, okay. But this, 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 this topic of depression, I'm so depressed. In fact, there might possibly be a listener today who is feeling depressed and hopeless. What would you say to them? Well, there's a lot of reasons for depression. Um, uh, part of mine was the circumstances that I grew up in. And I think depression also is, some of it is biochemical and family struggle with it. I think that depression's in my family, in my lineage, because there are some people that say, you know, I really don't struggle with that. Well, different people in my family have battled depression to different extents. So um, there are things... Uh, that we can do when we're depressed, but when we're depressed, we might not want to get out of bed or we might eat too much or sleep too much. Um, or some of us are insomniacs, we can't go to bed. And so I think some Christians have issues with taking medication. I don't think medication is a catch-all, but I know um, of lots of people who I think like their children are, they definitely have chemical imbalances, and I think that's a result of the fall. And I've run into people who say, no, I can't take any medication. I'm like, well, I'm not advocating that medication is a cure-all, but if you have a chemical imbalance and only counselors um, and doctors can help you with that, that could help you. But um, if you're in the depression right now and uh, you know that it takes all the power of God to get out of bed and to want to live each day, let me encourage you, um, please tell someone that you can trust because you can't be in depression alone. If we stay to ourselves and we don't confess to trusted others, we start to believe the lies that I think mm-hmm. Satan also has a role in playing and bringing in our minds. We start to believe things that aren't true. And so uh, I think that those who are depressed definitely need to let others know and so that they can pray for them and help them in any, any way they could. And if a counselor is available... And especially those in college. Those in college have resources and counselors because they're usually on campus. Uh, see a counselor or a trusted pastor or someone older than you that you can talk to. Um, talking to people and having people be on your side and on your team is a major uh, way to walk through depression with another person. Of course, part, part of the problem with depression we know is that Exercising might help it. Eating right might help it a little bit. And continuing our daily routines. But when you're depressed, you don't want to do any of that. So that's uh, why I think it's so crucial that others are in on what you are going through to help walk with you. And each person is a little bit different. And so the help and encouragement will be different. But um, it's a black hole for some people. And some are in more severe depressions than others. Yes, I know and that was a, just, a. I know yeah. that was a wide open question, but you are handling it quite well, and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> your suggestions are very good. And uh, uh, but I do want to ask: we're not going to get to reconciliation today. I'm going to have to have okay. to come back to reconciliation. Oh, sure. I do want to ask. <clears throat> I do want to ask you um, just to address those who may be listening, because we've we've we put on the table you know, um, the whole idea of people being a Christian. And um, for us who are Christians, we always go to the Lord Jesus Christ 
in That's our right. circumstances. But there are people who may be listening who don't even know what we're talking about or maybe are atheists or maybe aren't atheists but are of another faith or have rejected Christ altogether. So if you could widen it a little bit uh, to address everyone. Um, and, and, again, you take that how you want to take it. You know, I want you to respond in the way you want to. So let me be quiet as and let you As far as depression goes? Yes, in you, terms you, of, in okay. terms of um, de- being depressed. What would you say to someone? Should you and, – and I don't want to do that. Yes, what would you say to someone? Yeah. No, I mean, I think the advice is similar. I mean, again, you can't go through depression alone. There are people that care that you are alive, and um, it's hard to see when you're depressed the purpose for your life and a reason for living. But um, in your best days, if you can remember the days where you were better and and the things that motivated you and the things that you thought about, um, you need someone to speak to truth to you about who you are and the purpose of your life. Um, Even if you don't believe in God, um, which I'm coming from that perspective, um, whether you believe in God or not, your life matters, people that are rooting for you. So like I said earlier, you absolutely need to tell someone else. And you might not speak to a pastor, but you can speak to someone uh, if you're a student or uh, more elderly, people at agencies or schools, uh, there are good people that will help you. And there's even people of faith that will help you, whether or not it's Christian faith, um, that will fight for your life too and encourage you to fight for your life and encourage you to, to keep on. And so go to those people. Don't believe the lie that there's no one on earth that cares about that doesn't care about you. There are people, even if they don't know you, that will help you and be on your team. So I think it's crucial That's, not to be alone. That is so true. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, for those who feel like they don't want anything to do with religion, I would just, I mean, it's not trying to get controversial here, but I, my suggestion, and I, and I believe that, and I know Marlena would chime in, is that have, the question is, have you really tested him? You know, have you tested this God? who says he loves you with an everlasting love. Uh, if you haven't, test him. He's big enough. He's big enough for your doubts. He's big enough for your, your questions and your accusations. And give him a chance. Maybe, maybe it is at this point that you need to be, and I'm not trying to be flippant here, but at this point where you need to be, where you look up and, and out to someone bigger than yourself, and in terms of calling someone, I just looked up the crisis support hotline, and it is that number is seven seven five seven eight four zero nine zero. And then I have a number. It's my personal voicemail extension. You may call me at six five zero seven four one four one three seven. And so, Marlena, as we get ready to close, is there anything else you'd like to say? Well, again, thank you for um, allowing me to be on the show. And I guess this message goes to um, anyone listening. You might feel invisible. But as Zenobia just gave you her own personal extension and the crisis line, you are not invisible. God sees you, and there are people in the world that are rooting for your life 
so please don't give in to despair. Uh, we want to encourage you. There's a reason for your life. Absolutely, Marlene. I couldn't have said it any better, and you said it so well. Uh, to our listeners, I just want to encourage you to get a copy of A Beautiful Disaster, subtitled Finding Hope in the Midst of Brokenness. I say uh Thank you and kudos to Brazos Press, as well as to Marlena. And on that note, we are going to say farewell. Until next time, in fact, next our next show will be in two weeks. I will uh, post it. It will be on the 16th of March at 3.30 Pacific Time, 6.30 Eastern Time, and we will have on the show a woman who is just impassioned about helping youth and young adults uh, transition through from, from uh, high school to college. Until then, adieu. Thank you, Marlena. Yeah, you're welcome.